As part of the Southwestern Vermont Chamber of Commerce Business Education Series, we feature Lunch and Learns, where for an hour we invite one of our subject matter experts in any given field that might help a small business speak to and teach many of our, our other small businesses on their various topics. We hope you enjoy the show.
We partner with other organizations um, such as SBA, VITA, REDIC, and you know we'd be happy to um, chat with any of you that are interested in, in any of our products and services. We do have a couple promotions running right now, and I'm going to let Brendan chat about those with you. Yep. And Brendan Chamberlain, commercial um, lender with Karen as well. Um, so our focus this year is really we're we're going to put a lot of emphasis on the Manchester Bennington area. Um, that being said, we rolled out two promotional products, uh, a business line of credit that's um, prime rate minus a half percent uh, fixed for 12 months. And then we've got vehicle and equipment loans um, and that's 4.25% for four years. Um, so you'll be seeing a lot of that marketed down in this area. Um, so you'll be seeing a lot of us in market Good. Good. as well. Yeah. Right. And we're really happy to be here in Manchester. And as I said, if anyone has any questions, we have some brochures and our business cards are on the table back there. So thanks again for everything. Thank you. Great, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Phil. All Hi everybody, I'm Bill Devineau and we're going to talk about small business financial health today. Uh, mainly understanding your business and understanding the health of it and seeing some pitfalls that you might not normally see in your business until it's too late. Look at that, it works. Um, I'm William Devineau. I'm an attorney. I have a legal practice that focuses on estate planning, probate, tax, and business law. I'm also a partner in Veracity Financial Group and it's focused on business turnarounds, interim and part-time CFO services, and tax consulting. Additionally, I also am a partner in another company that sells items through um, standalone e-commerce stores and on third-party sites such as Amazon. So if you sell anything e-commerce, I feel your pain. It is not an easy thing to do. Um, the businesses that I work with with Veracity Financial Group, they range from very asset intensive businesses to technology based to e-commerce. Um, it's not just in Vermont. Many of my clients have actually been throughout the country. They tend to get referred to me by people in my network. What we're doing today, we're going to learn how to understand your business. And after we go over a couple um, introductory things, we're going to start a lemonade stand and we're going to take it from starting up to growing quickly to expansion so you can see how that life cycle occurs and the actual pitfalls that are hidden by your fast growth. Um, and part of this is I'm showing you the lemonade stand because it's going to help you understand in practice where these problems will show up and how you can identify them and prevent them from happening. And then after, we'll talk about some tools and tasks to identify the problems early. Why do we own businesses? We want to make money. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Everybody wants to make money. You might want to make millions, you might want to just pay your mortgage or pay your rent, but that's what it is. You want to make money. You also don't want to work for anybody else. You'll work 80 hours a week for yourself to avoid working 40 hours a week for someone else. Maybe you see an unmet need in the area. Or maybe you love to do something, but there is no employers in the area that do that, so you have to start your own business. 
To understand your business, you need to gather the numbers. I know you see stuff like this on Shark Tank all the time. Numbers don't lie. They really don't. If you have the full story with the numbers, they will not lie. They will tell you the truth. You can maybe look at one financial report and look at the numbers and think it's great, but that's not gathering all your numbers. That's looking at one little part of it. Um, from there, you analyze the numbers and understand them. You need to take some time to understand your business model and your streams of income. How are you getting income? Are you getting income from this and that? And then once you understand your business model and your streams of income, you build a model to project how it, how it performs. You build it out a few months, a few years, just see how it performs because you may have a great idea or your business may be doing okay now, but once you model it out and look, you see that there's problems ahead. And at that point, you can make adjustments, realistic ones. Typical adjustments um, that are unrealistic would be simply increasing sales so the model works. That's, that's not how the real world works. You need to make some adjustments on the expense side. And once you get that, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, you make adjustments to your model, or if you can never get it to work with anything realistic, you just scrap it and you need to basically rebuild your model. Each month, there are certain things you need to be looking at. Balance sheet, profit and loss statement, and statement of cash flows are the foundation of what you need to be looking at on a monthly basis. The balance sheet is a snapshot in time. It's like taking a picture. It doesn't show what is happening over the entire time. It is just taking a picture of this is all the assets, this is all the debts, this is everything you have as of this date. The profit and loss statement shows a period of time. So for this, say for example, it was for April, the balance sheet, if you had it on April 30th, it would just report what you have in the bank on April 30th, what assets you have, what inventory you have, what debt you have as of April 30th. The profit and loss statement for April would show April 1st to April 30th. You'd be able to see all the income you got, all the expenses you had, and if you were profitable. Now profit, you're gonna find when we have our lemonade stand, is very, very deceiving. You can be very profitable, yet have absolutely no money and be on the brink of failure. Statement of cash flows is where you'll find that problem. The statement of cash flows for the same time period of April 1st to April 30th starts with net income, then adds back things that aren't really cash transactions, takes away things that are cash transactions, and gives you a true statement of what you started the month with in cash and what you ended the month with in cash. And cash is literally the most important thing in business. We'll actually get to that next. Um, if you do sell things on credit to people, you would have accounts receivable. And with that, you'd wanna look at an aging to see how much is out there on, on the street per se and how long it's been out there. If you have an account's receivable and it says you're getting $100,000, if it's been out there 180 days, you're probably not getting it. So you need to begin planning for that. And it also, it helps you with cash flow because it helps you plan what could be coming in if everybody pays on time, which they probably won't. Accounts payable is what you owe other people. You've bought and they've given you terms, you know, net 15, net 30, so you have 15 or 30 days. If you're lucky, maybe net 60. Um, but that's going to show you what's coming up in the future that you're going to have to pay. And then most people don't do this, but you should, is you should really have a budget of what you're expecting for the month 
and you should be comparing it to the actuals of what is actually happening. Budgets are awesome, but if your actuals are nowhere close to it, the budget is literally useless because it's not based in reality. You need to make adjustments to your budget. A bonus, which people should be doing and not many people do, is a weekly cash flow model projected forward for about 15 weeks. What that is, is basically for, you'll set up columns of each week and weeks one through 15. And for this week, you would say, this is how much money I think I'm gonna bring in. This is how much money I think I'm gonna be spending in cash, not in profit, actual cash flow coming in, cash flow going out. You do that for 15 weeks. And with that, if you're relatively accurate, you can see if there's a problem in the future. You might see, oh look, oh, around week nine, oh my gosh, my balance is going negative. So that means either before week nine, you need to increase sales or you need to decrease expenses because you always want that positive. But the good part about that is rather than just not knowing it's gonna happen and then just all of a sudden week nine occurs and there's no money. You can't pay bills, you have no money coming in. This gives you time to fix the problem. The cash flow is not gonna be perfect. It's never gonna be perfect, but it gives you a starting point where you can start to understand where things are going in the future. Bottom line, you need to know your numbers. As I said, cash flow is king. You need to think of cash flow like a scuba tank of air. When you're going diving, and you have a tank of air, and I'm not a diver. So if anybody is in here, in here is a diver and I'm talking about something wrong, please just, it's a metaphor. Um, it's a tank of air. If you go underwater without any air, you are going to die. I mean, there's, you can't survive, we're not fish, we can't breathe underwater. If you go underwater with no air, you're not gonna make it out, you won't last long. The deeper you go, in the water, you need more and more air in that tank because it takes you time to get down and time to get back out. So you need more air to breathe. Air is just like cash here. If you're breathing really deeply and really often, you're gonna run out of air a lot quicker than you normally should because you're not controlling your breathing, you're not planning ahead and being conservative with it. If you're taking too shallow of breaths, at some point your body is going to force you to take a deeper breath so you can catch up to your typical breathing. When you're diving, you have to be cognizant of the air levels because it determines how long you can dive and where you can go on your dive. The same is with cash flow in a business. When you're getting into business, think about it like you're diving. You need an air tank and the only air is cash. Now we're gonna start our business. This is exciting, we're all going into business. We've started one, it's gonna be called the Shires Lemonade Stand. We're gonna do an awesome job. We've taken $1,000 and set it aside and said we're gonna use that for the business. The first thousand, we're gonna buy $500 in supplies. That's gonna be the cups, the pitcher, lemons, sugar, napkins, any supply that we're gonna use relatively quickly because we're looking at supplies like inventory. We're gonna spend $250 and buy the world's best lemonade stand so we can get a lot of customers and they'll love what we're doing. And then the remaining $250 we're gonna keep in our account for working capital. We think that each cup is gonna be sold for a dollar and is gonna cost about 35 cents in supplies to make. If anybody in here runs a lemonade stand and those numbers are wrong, I'm sorry, I really don't run one. Now when you look at this, you may say, oh, you $500 in supplies, $250 stand, 
you get a $750 loss, you're showing a loss in the first month. Actually, you're not because supplies and stands are not something that show up on a profit and loss statement, yet you don't have the cash anymore. So when you look at this, once we buy this stuff, these are what our three financials look like. Profit and loss statement, nothing. We have not done anything that has created a profit or a loss. We have done nothing that we can expense or show as income on that. So despite the fact that we've spent $750 or 75% of our money, we have nothing to show for it on the profit and loss statement. Over here, the cash flow actually shows what we did. Owner investment, we put in $1,000, we spent $250 on a lemonade stand and $500 on inventory. So our opening balance was zero, we added 1,000, we took this out, and now we're ending the month with $250, or ending this time period that we're looking at. And you can see over on the balance sheet, we have $250 of cash, $250 in fixed assets, which is the, lem it's the lemonade stand because that lasts, we're not selling it, so it's not inventory, and it lasts long, hopefully it lasts five years so we don't have to buy another one. Um, so that's a fixed asset, that's not an expense. Now, tax-wise, you can depreciate it and stuff like that, but we are specifically using a very short, accelerated time period here to avoid all effects of tax. And then on the balance sheet at the bottom, you can see our $1,000 capital contribution. So we put $1,000 in. The business is worth $1,000 in equity, but we only have $250 of cash, and we have no income and expenses yet. Our first four months... Our business is taking off. People love our lemonade. We should have gone to this business earlier. We're growing 30 to 50% a month. We've already decided we need employees to help us because we don't want to do all the work and it's super busy. We have one lemonade stand and our brand is gaining traction. People love the Shires lemonade stand. It is a hit. So after the first four months, let's see what our financials look like. And you think growing 30 to 50% a month, I think we really be raking in the cash. You know, I mean, those, that's huge growth. This is our profit and loss statement of the Shires Lemonade Stand. You can see our first column is the startup, which I've already showed you. And we're saying January, February, March, April. January, $500. February, we grew 50%, $750. March, another 33% up. April, up 45%. That's some real growth, that's wonderful. Our supplies used, we know it only costs 35 cents a cup, so our gross profit margin is 65%, which means basically every dollar we bring in, 65 cents of it can be used for the rest of operations, other than our inventory, or the cost of goods sold, or supplies used. These numbers right here are not actually cash outlays on this report. What that is showing is how much of the supplies we already bought we used. So right here, there's no cash going out for this on this report. That's just what we've used out of our supplies inventory. We've decided we want to do some advertising. We're roughly spending about 10% of gross revenue on advertising. We dropped it a little bit in April just because everything's just growing so fast we didn't want to grow out of control. And you see we are using some, some workers, 100, 250, 400, 600. 
it's growing pretty quick. And then you can see our net profit. 175 the first month, 163, 150, 218. That's our net profit after you take the revenue, subtract the supplies we used, which isn't an actual cash transaction, and then all the expenses that we actually did pay out. And you see our profit margins are pretty good, 35%, 22%, 15, 15. But you can even see here, we're growing fast. We grew 50% from January to February, but we used a lot more in labor. And despite the fact that we're growing so fast, our net profit margin dropped. We actually made less at the end of the month in profit than we did in January. Isn't that crazy? But that is some of the stuff you have to pay attention for. And our fast growth can hide a lot of those problems. And then even, even in March, we decided uh, we got a little bit lazy in March. and We hired probably more employees than we should have. We probably should have worked a little bit harder in the business ourselves. That's what caused our net profit margin to go down and our profit, despite the fact that we made more money. But it looks like we kind of worked it out in April and we kind of flattened that. Statement of cash flows. This is the cash that's actually coming into our business and leaving our business. We already went over the startup. That's where we invested our initial $1,000 in our venture, that we had $250 left. You can see January, $175 in net income. The statement of cash flows starts with net income. It takes the net income that you have on your profit and loss statement, and then it adjusts for cash transactions and non-cash transactions to get you to the bottom line of how much your cash has actually changed. You see in January, $175 of net income. We used $175 of inventory, and that's a plus. The reason that's a plus is because that was not actually a cash transaction. That was simply us accounting for using some of our assets. Then inventory purchased, $175. All the inventory we used in January, we made the decision we were going to replace it right away and keep our inventory levels around the $500 we started with. You get down to investing activities. Other than buying the lemonade stand, we haven't in invested in any assets in our business since then. Financing activities. We haven't added more money. We haven't asked the bank for more money. We're just kind of going with what we have. So, $250. We increased our cash position by $175, and now we have $425 in the bank. But you can see how that we're trending upward in our income. But even by the end of April, we only have $1,000 in the bank. We have literally sold $3,700 $3, worth of sales. And we took our $1,000 investment and turned it into another $1,000. Now, we have some assets to show for it, so don't feel bad yet. We're actually doing okay. But you can see as you go through the net income, February and March dropped, April started going back up. Um, we, we're trying to keep track with our inventory. Every time we use inventory, we try to replace it right away. You can see in April, we didn't replace it. We didn't replace as much as we used. We're a little more conservative because we felt really good about trying to get back to $1,000. 
It was kind of like a mental block that we had. We wanted to get back to 1,000, and we did. This, this is a very, we're going to be accelerating and expanding our business soon. This is a very simple way of doing the business. Um, most people's businesses are more complex than this. We want to keep it, you know, simple to kind of see how things went. Here is our balance sheet for our lemonade stand. Our total assets at the end of April are $1,705. Our total equity in the business is $1,705. Our capital contribution will never change. It's always $1,000. We haven't put in more money, so it's still $1,000. You can see we're retaining some of our earnings. That's the net profit number, not cash flow. And you can see we grow from $1,000 in equity to $1,705, but we still only have $1,000 in cash. The rest of our retained earnings is tied up in fixed assets, the lemonade stand, and the inventory we have on hand. You see, we've been keeping it pretty smooth at 500. Went up a couple months, down in April, because we wanted to get back to $1,000 cash. Because we've been thinking about expanding, and we wanted to make sure that we're back at 1,000, so we just feel better about kind of starting off on that foot with $1,000 again. So how are we looking? $3,700 in sales, $705 in net profit, but there's only $1,000 in the bank. We started with $1,000, ended with $1,000, but we had $705 in net profit. Most of it's tied up in our assets and our inventory and our supplies. Since we're growing fast, it's easier to mask some of these issues. Sales are growing, but so are expenses. And growth makes it very easy Especially if you're, in a if you're in a business that actually collects cash and collects cash relatively quickly and doesn't have money out in terms, growth can very easily hide big expense problems because you have so much money coming in, you can keep up with your growth and expenses. But what happens is the moment it starts to slow down, it is like walking in the ocean and not seeing the wave coming up behind you because you think everything's going fine and then it just smashes into you and you're at the point, you haven't been looking at cash flow, you haven't been looking at your numbers and you just get knocked over and you have no idea what happened. There are ways to kind of unmask this because what you wanna do is you wanna take your expenses and normalize them against sales and that's very, very difficult when sales are growing quickly. So what you do is you take all your expenses and you do a profit and loss, and you pick every expense and make it a percentage of sales. So for example, the first four months, this is a percent of sales analysis. This is, it's basically, it's just our profit and loss statement, and what we did is we added a column. We added a column right here on each side of every month, and these percentages is this number as a percentage of sales. So you can see, advertising, Pretty solid, 10% dropped to 9% in April because we we're getting concerned about having $1,000 in the bank. Now advertising, I'm gonna go a little off for here for a second. Advertising is something that can get out of control very fast when you're using things such as AdWords and other advertising methods like that. I've had clients where we've had to turn around their business and they were literally making $2 million a year or close to $2 million a year 
spending $500 to $1,000 a day on AdWords, and they were growing so fast, they weren't realizing how quickly the AdWords were gobbling up their compared to sales, and it was going from like 20% to 25% to 30% to 33%, and we ended up doing an audit of their AdWords account, and for every dollar they were spending in AdWords, they were getting like $1.25 in sales, which is a problem because their gross margin was 40%. So they're not covering their gross margin. Literally every dollar that was coming in, they were losing like 15 to 20 cents. But everything looked awesome because they were growing so fast. They're growing so fast, there's just cash coming in. Um, the reason I was there is because the business actually started to slow down and that tidal wave behind them was hitting them. They were, getting to the, they were just exiting their busiest season of the year, which is the spring, and going into their slowest, which is June, July, and August, and they didn't have money for anything, like nothing. They were unable to pay their vendors. They were running into payroll problems. They had already tapped out all their lines of credit. It turned into a real mess, but we were able to right the ship and now they're doing fantastic. They're making like seven or eight million dollars a year now. They're on the Inc. 500 li 5,000 list. They have been for the past five years. They're doing awesome. But um, that business owner actually takes a closer look at his numbers now and he really pays attention to the minutiae that he never did before. He was always just looking at balance in the account, balance in the account, do I have enough money? And it just, he found out it was a problem. Back to our percentage of sales. In January, you know, our labor, our workers, was only 20%. You know, that's, that's not bad at all. February, it went up to 33%. It didn't grow as fast as sales. Sales went up 50%. That went up to 33%. That's not bad. And, you know, we had to do something to help with the sales. March, sales didn't go up as fast. And you can see that labor went up a lot faster than sales did. Sales went up 33%, labor went up 40%. But Bill, when you're looking at that, um, let's say it's one person running, so is that somebody paying themselves or and or bringing on part-time staff to help with the lemonade stand? You could look at that either way. In this case, we're looking at it as this is mostly just the help. Yeah. The help. Um, Yes, yeah. And you can do the same thing with your own expenses because at the same time, even with a business where you're the only employee and you don't even pay yourself a salary, you're just taking a monthly draw, you still need to pay attention to these numbers because if your draw is coming to, if your draw is increasing comparing to sales, either you need more money personally, which is okay, but the problem becomes your business needs money too. Um, you can take as much money as you want, but if that scuba tank is empty and you're 100 feet down, Good luck. But you really, you really want to pay attention to that because you want to see how it's growing to sales. And, you know, ideally, if you were the only business, if you were the only person in the business and you could get by with the 250, if you kept 250 here and 250 here, look at all that extra money you'd have, you know, to invest in the business or maybe pay yourself more. But at that point, you'd be able to put more aside, you'd have more cash in the business. Even as a sole person, you need to pay attention to that because your personal expenses can also destroy business. Uh, let's see, March. March, yeah, it didn't. March 
you know, it's going faster. Looks like in April, our labor went up, but we must have started noticing something because it went from 40% of revenue to 41%. Revenue went up 45%. We're only taking an additional 1% of revenue for labor. So it looks like I think that month we probably started working harder on our business because we were thinking about expansion, which here we are. We're expanding our business. We're taking our lemonade stand and expanding beyond, beyond our one stand in our region. We're moving from a lemonade stand to a lemonade company. Our brand has become more well-known. People are requesting mixes for drinks. Some of these local stores here are asking for wholesale accounts. They want to sell our lemonade in their store. We've decided we're going to expand onto Amazon. We're going to sell the same retail price for a drink mix. We're not selling cups on Amazon. Whatever the drink mix is, however many cups it makes, that's the retail price we're going to use. But now we're going to have to deal with Amazon costs of 15 to 20% between the shipping and the commissions and all that. And now we're going to have accounts receivable. Amazon's only going to pay us once every two weeks because we are a legacy, we're not a legacy Amazon account. The legacy accounts, you can get paid every day if you want. New accounts, nope, it's every two weeks. We're expanding into wholesale. The retailers only want to pay 75% of our retail price, which is pretty nice. They're being really, really reasonable with that. So now we're going to be getting less for what we're selling, but it's still going to cost us the same amount to make. Our terms with them are going to be 50% immediately and then 50% 30 days later. But as we grow, and as this happens in business all the time, our wholesalers are changing their terms. They've decided they don't want to pay us 50% now and 50% later. Starting in July, they're going to do 33% now, 33% in 30 days, and 33% in 60 days, so a third, a third, a third. And we want to keep that business, so as most businesses do, we cave in to what they want to pay because at that point we begin to need them. And that's a problem, but at the same time, it's something you've got to deal with. So our business is still growing. You saw we we're still growing, but now we're beginning to diversify. We're diversifying our sources of income a little bit. And the business growth is slowing a little bit at the end of the four months. Um, and we think may, maybe that's because people don't want to go to a lemonade stand all the time. Maybe they just want to buy it at the store, which is, which is fine. So what we do is we begin all of our expansion. And you can see we expand pretty quickly. This is May to September. The last time we looked at was four months. This is five months. You can see already in May, we got our first wholesale account. We started selling some on Amazon. But you can see our gross margin of 65% is no longer. Before, it only cost us 35 cents of every dollar to make what we sold. Now, retail, it's still 35 cents of every dollar it costs us in inventory. But wholesale, it's not that high because we're only selling for 75% of what we typically would be. So we're getting a 25% haircut on that. And then Amazon, we want to be on the biggest platform in the world selling our lemonade mix. Uh, we're going to pay them 20%. Not fun, but they're also bearing all the costs of the infrastructure, being the place that gets the most eyeballs on the internet, probably other than Google and YouTube. Um, so, you know, it is the toll we must pay to take that road. But 
This means, starting in May, 61 cents of every dollar could be used for expenses, and it just keeps dropping until August and September when we're down to 56 cents of every dollar we can use on operating expenses. It is what it is. We're diversifying, so if nobody wants to come to the stand, we have another source of revenue. Advertising. Oh, we're still, we started off with our typical 10%, but we decided we need to build this brand. Not enough people know about it. So rather than just doing the lemonade stand, now we're pushing out more than 10% because we're trying to reach a greater audience so they all know about our wonderful brand of lemonade so they go to the stores and buy it, go to Amazon and buy it, and even come to our stand. Our expansion has forced us to rent a location now because now we need to store some of our inventory. It can't be in our basement anymore. It just doesn't work. So now we have a new rental expense of $100 a month, which is, which is pretty good. You know, it's about, it's just a few percent of overall sales, which is wonderful. Rent can become a big percentage of, a percentage of sales, but rent typically does not do anything to create revenue, so you want to try to keep it as low as possible. Workers. We have to hire more workers. We're not going to pack boxes. We own the business. We've had enough of packing boxes. That's why we're expanding. So we can build the business. Because at some point, you need to stop working in the business and start working on the business, which is what good financials are going to help you do. So in May, you see our labor is going up. And then in June, look at how high that labor went. That's ridiculous. But it's right around the same time of now it's the second month of wholesale increasing 100% and Amazon increasing almost 100%. We decided that we need to hire a lot more workers to keep up with stuff. Um, but you know, we've been, we've been doing great, so it's you know, not horrible. We're taking a loss for the month. But then we can see all our payroll kind of smoothed out. Even though revenue continues to climb, that's starting to smooth out. The reason it's smoothing out is because the state is increasing minimum wage and we decided we're going to buy a mass production machine. Save labor, keep things down, and keep things more efficient. Because what we can do is, rather than pay a lot of people a little, now we're able to pay our employees a very good wage because we don't need as many and they're more skilled because they're dealing with our mass production machine. These are our cash flows. It started out good and it ends okay, but there's something in the middle that's not working out well. May, our inventory purchase, we purchased about $800 worth of inventory to try to keep up with our demand. And we used $858. But here is our new problem. We're owed $250 that we are including on income and showing as a net profit, but we never received it. We're waiting for them to pay us because they're going to be paying in June. It's a portion of the Amazon, it's half the Amazon sales and half the wholesale sales are pushed into June. We didn't receive any accounts receivable because we just started doing accounts receivable, so there's nothing, nothing to receive. So despite the fact that we made $188 in profit, Operations lost $5. We also had a new problem, our lemonade stand. 
It needed repairs, so we had to do some repairs and maintenance on it. Another 250 bucks out the door. We didn't add any money to the business, but we took our thousand dollars that we started with, and now it's already down to 745. Then we move on to June, the month of way too many employees. We started out with a loss. We had to buy a bunch of inventory to keep up with the inventory we're using. We're already using $1,260 worth of inventory, and we bought $1,250 just to try to keep up with it because we're trying to conserve cash because we need to buy a mass production machine. Our accounts receivable increased $475, but luckily we received $250 of the previous month's account receivable. So in cash, Although we showed we lost $310, we actually lost in cash just from operations $525 in cash out the door. So that's actually showing us how much worse we are than the net income statement is showing because the net in income statement, the profit and loss, is not showing you the actual cash in and out. So what's happening now is we're running into a problem where we're trying to go deeper and our scuba tank is telling us you have not enough air to go this deep. You need to return to the surface. But luckily, we have a good relationship with the local bank. So when we decided we want to buy some mass production equipment, we went and talked with our bankers. And the bankers know we're good. We pay our bills. We do everything we're supposed to. We share the financials with them. They see how much we know about our numbers, how well we know our business, and why this $1,500 is going to make things so much better because it's going to reduce labor and it's going to make things more efficient. The bank loans us $1,500. Zero percent interest. They're just, they're great. They're great. It's a really good bank. Zero percent interest. <laughs> We have a really nice banker. We have a really nice banker. So they lent us $1,500. So after all this, and getting an infusion of $1,500, we only have $220. That's it. We went from 1,000 starting last month, now we're $220, and we owe the bank $1,500. But sales are going great. Sales are increasing so fast. Well, this is what happens with growth, is you need to buy stuff like this, and we were probably undercapitalized to begin with. We didn't put enough money in. We wanted to keep more money in our pocket. But after we get that mass production machine, look at net income go. Look at it go. It just keeps growing and growing and growing and our business is more and more successful. Starting in July, we're purchasing more inventory that we're, than we're using, which is the first time since I think March, because I think March was the, first, the last time that we actually purchased more than we used because we were trying to get back to 1,000 in April, so we underpurchased. So now we're starting to finally increase our inventory a little bit, trying to get back up to 500. We're selling more and more to Amazon. We're selling more and more to our wholesalers. Our accounts receivable is going up. We're still collecting, but you can see our accounts receivable is going up faster than we're collecting it right now, which is a bit of a problem. We're not doing any more investment activities. We, we fixed the lemonade stand bought some mass production equipment, we're done. We're done for now. We're just trying to pay off our debt, which the bank was nice enough to do at 0% financing, so we don't have to worry about interest. We're doing a couple payments, and then we're going to pay it all off in September, because you can see September is just, it's a fantastic month. Right after we get that mass production machine, you can see our 
look at our cash from operating. Although we're showing $545 of net income, we really only got an additional $430. That's it. That's all. From, from operations, that's all we got additional from that. Although we're showing 545, we only got an additional 430, and then 250 of it had to be used for debt repayment. August, 885. We only got 585 in our pockets from all that. The reason is, this is taking into account all that money we have out waiting to be received from our, from our customers. More and more accounts receivable. What's happening is our income is showing more than the actual cash we're bringing in. We still have some debt payments. So $545 of profit is actually an increase of $180. That's it. $885 in profit. We actually only add an additional 335 to our cash flow. That's not really a lot. September, 1,090. But look at this, now we're actually starting to get ahead of it a little bit because we're starting to get more of these collections. Because remember in July, we got hit with new terms. Rather than 50-50, now it's 50-50 for Amazon, but a third, a third, a third for our wholesalers. And our wholesale accounts are growing fast. They're growing much faster so what's happening is, once you hit July, now all of these, instead of being paid ha you know, half now, half then, this, half then, half then, now it's third, third, a 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 third, pushing more and more cash collections out, which is causing us to start to go really low here. In September? Yeah, we September should be receiving a third of July, a third of August, and a third of September, plus a third of August, plus a third of September. Okay. That makes sense? So, for September, 1265 additional cash. We decide we're paying the bank back. They've been very friendly, no interest, we're paying them back. So we paid back the entire thousand, got an additional $265 in cash to the bottom line, and now we have our thousand dollars in the bank again. We started with a thousand dollars, began growing, turned ourselves into a company selling all over the place, and then we still ended with $1,000. This is the balance sheet. You see our fixed assets has grown. Our cash, we started with $745. We're finally back up to $1,000, which was our capital contribution, but our business is actually worth $4,103. We have no more debt on the books. We have a business worth 4,103. And we have recouped our total cash. We're, ba we're back at the capital contribution level for our cash. But you can see our business, the return on investment, if we sold it today, it would be $4,103 if somebody gave us a dollar for every asset we had.
So how did our expansion go? At $19,850 in sales, $2,398 of that was net profit. But we started with $1,000 in cash and ended with $1,000 in cash. So despite the fact that we had all those sales and all that profit, we still finally only got the tank back to $1,000 worth of cash. When you, when you look at, let me go back to the, you can see once we got that mass production machine, you can see our net profit margin start to increase over time. It goes from eight once we started adding all this extra, all these extra sales channels to negative 10% when we had to increase labor drastically to meet the demand from our wholesalers and Amazon. Our wholesalers are very demanding. Plus we still had to staff our stand, which is growing. Got the mass production machine, we got labor back under control. It actually basically flat for July and August. September it went up a little bit, but we are massively increasing our sales and our profit margin, 13, 18, 20. So we're on an upward trajectory for the net profit. There will be a point where, and we'll go over that in a second, where that's going to get to the point where it's as high as it can go because of our input factors of how much supplies cost and how much our expenses are. So all of our diversification is at the cost of our net profit margin and our gross profit margin. So we have to make sure we pay attention to that. Now we're doing that percentage of sales analysis for the last five months. Now we have multiple sales streams, so we're going to see how much each sales stream makes up for 100% of income. So for example, for May, our lemonade stand brought in 78% of the income. Wholesale accounts were 16%. Amazon was 7%. By the time we get to September, we're starting to really diversify our income streams. Our stand is only 55%. Our wholesale is 32%, and Amazon is 14%. So with this, if one of these dips for some reason, it drops. Everybody hates coming to the stand. We did something wrong, we have a bad employee, made somebody upset, went on Facebook, went viral, people stopped coming to the stand, or it dropped 50%. We still have these other income streams that are picking up some of that slack. So although it will be losing money, most likely, because we'll have somebody there, and it won't be making as much as it was, we have other streams of income to buffer it and make it a little bit easier. Once you get down here, advertising, it was 8% back then in May. And you can see we did push it a little bit higher in June and July just to kind of crank it up a little bit. What we did is rather than making it 10% of just the lemonade stand revenue, we pushed it up higher as a percent so we could get total sales. So all the percent's a little bit lower we're doing more than the typical 10% of sales because we're trying to get more people to understand what our wholesale brand is about and to go on Amazon and buy some of our wonderful lemonade mixes. Labor went crazy in June, totally crazy. As you can see, our gross profit margin, which is basically what's left over after we sell our stuff, 61 cents on every dollar to 59 to 57 to 56 to 56. So 59 cents of every dollar was left over to spend on stuff 
55 of the 59 cents we're using on labor, which is crazy. But we bought the mass production machine and we fixed that. And now our labor percentage, as a percentage of sales, is actually lower than it was in May. And dropped in August. And, it, and since sales went up, although dollar-wise it went up a little bit, it stayed relatively flat at 25%. We have tamed our labor costs, which is wonderful. Rent, 4%, 3%, 2%, 2%, 2%. It's a fixed cost, so it will flex with how much sales go. But if stuff like this starts happening, everything's flattening out. That's great for labor. And the bottom line, the net profit, 13, 18, 20. Trajectory up. You guys have any questions about the lemonade stand? So in your analysis, Bill, I mean, like you said, you kind of, and then you ended with a thousand bucks. Yeah. So despite the fact that we made all that money, all that, all that profit over the time, we started with a thousand dollars, we ended with one thousand dollars. We literally had no extra money in the business. Now, and you stopped at us, like you said, it's a snapshot. So if the business, you know, you've done nine months. Give what you've invested. You, I wonder if you haven't spent enough, we haven't spent enough time with the investment we made in the last four months. So if we let that grow for two more years, you're not investing anything more because you took that dip in the middle to kind of invest, reinvest in your business, and then we kind of cut it short at month four after the investment. We'll give that two more years and you would have made back all your investments and... Yes, yeah. One of the things that we did is you know, we did our first four months and we went from a thousand and at the end of four months we had a thousand again, but then we began really investing in the business and really pushing it for higher growth to try to push that thousand dollars even higher. The downfall was we hadn't adequately planned for all of the expenses that were going to come from it. We should have probably focused on a bit slower growth, maybe not tried to do wholesale and Amazon all at once, maybe tried to slowly push in wholesale, you know, ignore Amazon for a couple months. But, you know, we're, we're all about swinging for the fences. We're trying to hit a home run. Um, but we, we realized that in the real world, unlike Uber and Lyft, we can't lose billions of dollars and not go out of business. We don't have that much capital. But they have a lot of capital so they can continue to lose money and still survive. They have an enormous scuba tank. Our scuba tank is not very full, so we can only go so deep. If we continue this trajectory out further, we have now tamed labor costs, we would start to see a return on that $1,000 because we finally crested the corner where things are starting to smooth out. Things started to really smooth out in August. Even though we're growing, things are still smooth here. Everything's smoothing out. The gross profit margin started to smooth out. The net income is actually starting to go up a little bit. We're on a better trajectory now to survive and thrive. Other questions about that? About the lemonade stand? There's more after this, but specifically on the, our lemonade stand. Um, that's not trademarked. If you guys want to start Shire's Lemonade Stand or Shire's Lemonade Company, you can. This isn't self-promotion. I don't have it. <clears throat> Are you sure? I'll make copies of these. You guys can have a roadmap. I think they already have one. Okay, monitor your business. 
as you can see, like with our huge debt we had to take on because we had to buy mass production equipment, we weren't really looking at our finances. So we had no idea we were going to need so much labor to deal with our, with our business in June. We weren't looking ahead, we weren't thinking, we were just going by the seat of our pants and hitting home runs. Monitoring your business, especially with like a cash flow model, which I love, you can actually see stuff like that coming beforehand. Um, before we get to this part, like basically every Monday morning for me, every single Monday morning, go in, I get a coffee, I sit at my desk, I check my email, and the first thing I do is I look at my cash flow projections for the next 15 weeks, I update them to make sure everything from the previous week is now included with them, and I look out the 15 weeks to see how accurate I think the income is gonna be, where the expenses are, what my payroll is gonna be, and if there's, say there's something 10 weeks out where it shows, whoa, my bank account's gonna go negative, I know right then, what is between now and then that I can fix? I can either bring in more money, which is a lot easier said than done, or I can cut expenses, which I know I can cut. Or I can put more money in the business or take less out of it. So every Monday morning I look at that because I want to know what's going on in the next 15 weeks. So if there is a problem, I can get ahead of it. What's the timing on that? Like, so if you're using, you know, a QuickBooks or whatever like that, are you pulling up a report or is that kind of a manually made report and would you say you spend 30, 45 hour, three hours, all Monday morning? Not very long. Um, I have it built out in a spreadsheet, which basically each column is a week. And when I get towards the end of 15 weeks, I literally just copy a few more columns to the right. And each morning, what I would do is, I would literally run statement of cash flows, income statement, balance sheet, I look at everything. But then from that, I look at the single time period of last week, I look at what I have in the cash flow for where I thought it would be. If the income is different, I adjust the income to what it's supposed to be. If the expenses are different, I adjust the expenses to what they're supposed to be. And then I get the bottom line number and I can look at it into the future. It takes me to go through all that stuff. It's probably only like 20 or 25 minutes. It's really quick. It doesn't take a long time because once you have the motto built out, you're just, you're just inputting some numbers and copying a column to the right. You know, the, the formulas are designed to take the numbers you're putting in. They're not designed for a ton of external factors that are gonna make it so you're spending an entire day per week not making money, trying to figure out what your cash is gonna look like in 15 weeks, when you know if you actually worked, you would actually have more cash. Um, another thing I do twice a month is I actually sit down, I have a budget. I look at the budget versus actuals. Um, if it looks like I'm gonna miss the budget for the month, the cash flow might say I'm okay, but if I'm gonna miss the budget, I need to figure out what's going on. Either I'm not bringing in enough or I'm spending too much. Whatever it is, I gotta figure it out and make adjustments because that's gonna affect the budget for the rest of the year. Um, I do this, I have clients that I do that for. Um, some of them are more complex. They actually take hours to deal with, but for a typical normal business that doesn't have a ton of moving parts, it is something that 25, 30 minutes, you can go through all this stuff. And it gives you a chance at the same time to, if you're not using QuickBooks Online or QuickBooks or something that will automatically pull in bank statement, go to your bank's website and look at your transactions and make sure all the transactions are accounted for in your accounting software and are accounted for in your model. Um, I mean, 
I, that when I do that, I have found checks that I wrote that I did not account for because I signed a check so my paralegal could write it out to the town of Bennington for $100 for recording fee or something. But I wasn't paying attention and they didn't put it in the software, so I have a surprise $100 check. Then I add it to the cash flow model and everything's okay. But it's really important to do that. And plus it stays on, it stays on top of what's going on in your bank accounts. Um, there, was, there, was, there was once where I did that in the morning and money had come out of my account because somebody had set up some sort of insurance payment and it came out of my business's checking account for some reason. It was a disaster. I had to, it came out of my company's payroll account actually, which horrified me. And because I was like, oh my gosh, this is like 200 bucks coming out. What is that for? Somebody just put in the wrong account number for some strange reason. Whatever insurance company it was took the money out of my account. So I had to close the account to make sure it wasn't going to happen again. And, but if I hadn't caught that, it could have went much longer. And then, you know, if I was running a razor thin margin in that payroll account with just enough money for payroll and I didn't realize there was, you know, $200 taken out, I could have started bouncing payroll checks, which... That would have been a, an embarrassing nightmare. Nobody ever wants to do that. Um, my process when I deal with my clients, for the most part, and I do this with myself too, is the first thing you have to do, if you do not know your numbers and you don't know kind of where things are and you're, now you're thinking after seeing this, I don't know some of this stuff. Um, you know, this isn't Shark Tank. I'm not going to yell at you for it. Um, but what you need to do is immerse yourself in your financials. If you don't have any, you need to get them together. That's like step one. Profit, loss, statement of cash flows, balance sheet. Start getting all that into a spreadsheet at least. Um, immerse yourself in it and look at all of it. Because once you start immersing yourself in it, understanding all of it, you'll find mistakes. Um, yours, sometimes maybe something you thought was canceled really isn't canceled. Um, you accumulate all the data, and when you have it all there, now you can start to look for trends and flags. You can start doing that percentage of sales, stuff like that. You also need to immerse yourself in your business. I know this sounds ridiculous, and you're saying, well, I, I'm working 24 hours a day. No. You need to look, immerse yourself in your business and understand exactly how it operates. Understand where your revenue is coming from. What expenses are going out and why. Do you really need that expense going out? Do you need this subscription you know, to Adobe stock photo. Do you really need that? Do you use it every single month and you're getting your money's worth out of it? You need to look at all that stuff so you understand how your business operates and you may find some expenses where you say, you know what, I don't really need to spend that. Now that I'm looking at how my business model operates, I don't need that or maybe I need to focus more on this revenue. I didn't realize I wasn't making as much from that. Or I have this client and you know, the client takes all my time but they are paying me a very small amount. Maybe you need to get rid of that client because they are taking 80% of your time and giving you 20% of your income. That's a problem. You want it the other way around. Um, this also helps you determine what is working, what isn't working. Like I just said, what is profitable, what is not. You might find out some things you're working hard on are rabbit meat, something where the expression is rabbit meat takes more energy to chew than it actually gives you when it gets in your stomach. You are literally taking a net loss on rabbit meat every time you eat it. You are using more calories than you're getting from it. You're losing energy. And then once you get all this, you create a plan to capitalize on what's working, begin to diversify away from what's not working, 
and then you monitor this plan and you make adjustments as you go. You can review the profit and loss with percentage of sales being added to it, as I showed you how that was done. Your business will have its own trends. Sometimes you may be in a very asset intensive business, sometimes you won't be, and it all depends. What you can do is you go online, you can search for common averages for business. Like for example, a restaurant, 25 to 35% is food costs. Is your restaurant higher or lower? Why? It could be a good reason why it's higher or lower. Food plus labor should be 55%. Is yours higher or lower? Why? There are good reasons why sometimes you're not going to meet the average. Just because you aren't at the average doesn't mean there's a problem, but you need to understand why you are or not at the averages or the ideal percentages. These are some other ways that you can monitor your business. There are different ratios you can use. These ratios are absolutely useless for the most part unless you are looking at trends over time. If you take stuff like gross profit margin and look at it for one month, that's not going to help you. You need to look at it over time so you can see if it's going up, going down. These are designed to be monitored over time and they're different for everybody. Any questions? Everybody awake? That's good, that's the first, first step, everybody's awake. This can be a little bit dry. Any questions? Good. And, and so we'll definitely grab uh, Bill's uh, slide deck and we'll send it out to everybody. Um, and just a note on Bill, Bill, uh, Bill's worked with my family's business for many years, helped us shut that down. He's helped me with my own business. He's now on the finance committee for the chamber. So um, I have a lot of faith in what, in what Bill does. Uh, he's done a lot of turnaround stuff that I have known about just in the town of Bennington. Um, so, you know, I know it's always really hard to compact all, every, anybody's knowledge into one hour. So, this is just kind of a, a nice little uh, appetizer uh, if, you, if you like what Bill's kind of, of sharing. Um, and I know Bill well enough to suggest Bill sit down with you for a couple of hours just to go over your stuff. Uh, you know, Bill has a good heart for business and, and wanting to see people improve. And, uh, so if, if that's something, uh, definitely reach out to Bill. But, but like I said, the Chamber uses him often, and so this just seems like a really good uh, time to, to have Bill come out and share that. And, and we'll also have it on video as well, so we'll be sharing that with our members coming soon. Uh, a couple other notes. So first I want to thank, uh, obviously, Hildeen for having us here. Uh, Paula Maynard uh, kind of set this up for us. So we're always fluctuating back between the North Shire and the South Shire on various things, whether that be the coffee and conversations we do in the morning, or the lunch mornings in the afternoon or the mixers uh, at night. So uh, thank you, Hildeen. Of course, thank you, Heritage Family Credit Union, for being here today, allowing us to do this and allowing us to videotape it for our members. So a big thank you to them. I was going to introduce Erica, and then she had to run out. Um, for those that have been working with Allison over the last two years, Allison has gone on to greener pastures over uh, into Saratoga. Um, so she had another opportunity to go there. So, Eric, uh, so Allison has left the chamber at this point. But Erica, uh, who's been working with us over the last eight weeks, nine weeks, um, has, a suit, has, has taken on the membership manager. So you'll be dealing uh, very much with Erica from the day-to-day -day stuff in terms of membership and uh, what you can get out of your membership. And I believe we're working on an, even a membership 101 class, which is how do you get the most advantage from this chamber uh, and your membership. Uh, the other thing I want to just point out, please pick up a copy. If you're a business that needs a box or two, I have boxes in my truck. 
Um, but this is our new area guide. It just got unveiled last week. So this is the 2019-2020. Uh, we printed out 50,000 copies of this. We have about 25,000 locally, and then we ship the rest of it out into distribution points, both in the capital region of Lake George, all the way down to New York City, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Connecticut. So again, this is just a really good tool, and, and I always like this book because it, it, it really is the first, and, and it encapsulizes what we're talking about when we talk about regionalism, because you'll see everything from a business in Powell all the way up to a business in Peru and, and so on. Uh, and it just really kind of demonstrates kind of the combination and the power that happens when we combine all 17 communities. And you'll see all the 17 communities on the front that represent the Shires. Actually, for a really good read, I would recommend flipping to the middle. There's a lot of great stories about the communities that, uh, that, that's in your own county. So if you've never really understood what goes on in Glastonbury or Landgrove, uh, Phil Holland was a terrific writer for us, so he's, uh, he's put that together. And pick up a copy if you need an extra couple. Uh, we have some in, in, in our vehicle. The next Lunch and Learn, we take a couple months off. We're going to do another one in July, July 10th. That'll be a Lunch and Learn on uh, stress management. So again, these lunch and learns are trying to hit pockets of things that people have to deal with in business. Finance, social media, marketing, stress, stress management. I think we did solar last time. So uh, we're just trying to find um, ideas. Uh, so if you have other ideas for our 2020 lunch and learns, please share them with us. Again, tr trying to reach a whole wide variety of our members with our lunch and learns and to educate and to empower our businesses. Finally tonight, um, we have, uh, we're putting on a Shire Young Professional, so the Chamber uh, is kind of a parent company or parent uh, organization over the Shire Young Professionals, um, which is uh, any young professional under the age of 40 in the community, in the, in the region. Uh, we're doing a mixer tonight, or a social is what we call it, at the public house. We have a cover band. Uh, Steve Bryant and his team have been great, uh, so they're going to provide us some appetizers. So we'll be at the public house at 530. Um, if you have people, I always try and use the Shire Young Professional. If you have people you are trying to recruit and retain in the area, tellers, I see a bunch of bankers and credit unions around, tellers, younger people, you're having cooks or waitresses, or you have people that you're trying to keep here uh, in the positions that you have them, the Shire Young Professional is a great way to quickly help them build roots in the community because they start to meet two or three friends at that. They start to go out on their own. And that's, I think, how we actually retain. So the, the Chamber's taken it as a major priority, and my board has taken it as a major priority to support the young professional group in the region because we do believe that we have to start building roots earlier on and giving uh, uh, p reasons why young people should stay here. So that's the, the SYP, the Shire Shire Professional. So again, tonight at 5.30, public house, if you have a couple people, just show up. There's no charge or anything like that. It's just a, a, a value of the Chamber. So other than that, any questions for Bill or any questions for me? And then I know we're a little bit past due, so I want to let you guys get out of here if you need to. All good. Great. Thank you. Thanks,